Hello, and welcome to episode eight of Mo Money Mo Houses, the personal finance podcast with a dash of sass. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse, and thank you so much for being here. I'm pretty stoked that I'm already at episode eight. That means I'm two episodes away from hitting double digits. Pretty crazy. Um, so because this is episode eight, just want to make sure y'all know that you can find these show notes with some additional information about this episode, some uh, cool links you may want to check out. And I'm also going to include a very special video you may want to check out from my guest. Um, so make sure you go to momoneymohouses.com slash eight for this particular episode. And if ever you want to know what other episodes have happened, what those show notes are for each of those episodes, please visit momoneymohouses.com slash podcast. Man, that is a mouthful. I can't believe I'm like Mo Money Mo Houses. Try saying that 10 times fast. Just try. Okay. Did you do it? You didn't do it. It's okay. All right. So today I'm very excited because my guest is, she's a super special guest. Not only is she one of my favorite personal finance bloggers, but she's also my first non-Canadian guest. So pretty pumped about that. Um, we're going to be talking about, oh, let me, let me mention who she is. How about that? Tanya, Budget in the Beach. Y'all know her, I'm sure. And we're going to be talking about her journey, which includes being an employee for several years and having her kind of career industry change. And now she's a freelancer. So very interesting journey she has. So I'm very excited to talk to her about that. Um, also, I want to mention a cool, fun fact me and Tanya have met in person, which is like, I met most of the Canadian bloggers just because Canada is pretty small, but um, she's kind of one of the few American bloggers I've met. And uh, we kind of met in kind of a cool circumstance. When me and Josh, my husband got married back in 2013, we went to California to uh, go on our honeymoon because we're uber nerds and wanted to go to Disneyland because we've never been. And on our kind of vacation in uh, California, we went to uh, LA and uh, met up with Tanya and had some tacos and spear and had the best time. So pretty pumped that she is on the show today. Welcome Tanya to the podcast. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on my show. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And I'm, I'm specifically excited to interview you because you are my first US guest. Everyone else has been from Canada. So you're like my first American. Woo-hoo! I'm pretty excited about that. America. <laughs> America. <F-yeah. laughs> um, awesome. So I've been a follower of your blog for a while. And um, I don't know, I like your style of talking because you're very open and honest about everything. But I just I find specifically your journey pretty interesting because um you didn't necessarily have it didn't seem like a relationship with money until kind of later on in your career, right? So let's kind yeah. of maybe dive into what your, how did things start? Like how, how did you grow up? What was kind of your relationship with money and then how did it evolve? Okay. Well, you know, I've always, you know, had it pretty easy with work. Um, pretty much my entire adult life, I was always employed as a full-time video editor and, even when I was in situations where I didn't like what I was doing, um, there I did a little stint as a movie trailer editor back in I won't say the date. <laughs> but, I know, but uh, honestly, wow, just God. hearing that, like yeah. the film kid in me, is like, oh my god, that would have been my dream job. Oh, that's exactly it. Is that people thought you know this was the pinnacle of my? I thought it was the pinnacle yeah. of my career, and I moved from Seattle to LA, and um, 
it was just six months of hell. I, oh. it actually almost turned me off from movies for good. Uh, I just couldn't watch movies for a while with like the same pleasure. It, so it took me a while to detox from that. So I think like the idea that something might be perfect is not necessarily perfect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I quit that job and moved back up to Seattle, uh, which I loved, uh, Seattle and, and, you know, you could just get a temp job back in those days. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody seemed to really worry. Um, everything just kind of flowed effortlessly. And, you know, I've always always had a decent enough job to cover expenses. Um, I spent a lot of my 20s going to live music mm-hmm. and buying CDs because that's what you did back then. That's what you did. <laughs> um, yeah. I know there's no iTunes. Oh, my um, gosh. This was, this was the dark ages. So, uh, so did that, you know, and so I had a good time and I, you know, I did the basics of, of saving money, Mm -hmm. 10%, you know, and if the company offered a 401k, I did that, Mm -hmm. but I never, ever really thought that my life was going to change drastically in in the work sense, um, until 2008, um, Mm -hmm. the economy crashed and, our company was being bought out by another video game company. I'd been with that company for eight years. It wow. was a very cushy job. I had a great office. I had a great boss. I had a great commute, even mm-hmm. for LA. Mm-hmm. And so life was just, you know, kind of cushy. And we got word that uh, the company was going to be bought out. And it took almost a year for it to happen. So luckily, I would say, in mm-hmm. that time, I kind of got a little bit serious with saving money um, and, you know, saving all my vacation time to be paid out at the end. And we got a very, very good severance. I think it was six months, which I think is oh, wow. was unheard of at That's the time. Really nice. So I had accrued a lot of savings in that time very wisely. What I didn't do and I hadn't expected was that, um, once I became a freelancer and I never actually like plan necessarily on becoming a freelancer. Mm-hmm. I really fell into it and I fell into a fire basically. The first <laughs> week I was on my own. I luckily landed a really great project uh, with a producer that I've been working with for years now. I mean, big bucks, long awesome. hours, you know. And so I was like, hey man, freelancing is gonna be great. Yeah, it's like, oh, they just give me the jobs. <laughs> give me all the I mean, jobs. Like a week after I'm done with full time, is this like, okay, why didn't I do this before? <laughs> yeah. And so I I and that job went, uh, you know, I did that. And then after that, really things got very, very quiet in that mm-hmm. early part of two thousand eight. And but the problem was I didn't change my my mindset. I didn't change my attitude. If I was smart, which apparently I wasn't, but you know, <laughs> live and learn, our live past, learn. exactly. I would have done things so much differently. Like I could have really stretched my savings so much more mm-hmm. than I did. And after that, I did, and then I was not only was I not saving and living on a budget, mm-hmm. but I was blowing money big time. Oh. I think I was really depressed about, I had kind of a breakup yeah. uh, after a five-year relationship and, uh, you know, the whole job thing. Mm-hmm. And so I really got into beach volleyball. I'm still into it, but I'm much <laughs> more smart about it. But I signed up for classes. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, I was meeting a whole new group of people. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, you know, I can meet my future husband doing this. So I, yeah. I used to go out to dinners after games and, and classes and just was spending as if I had a full-time job. And mm-hmm. I lived that way for a couple years until wow. I was damn near out of my savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hit my rock bottom in, it was actually February of 2012 um, when I got my car towed. It's uh, sort of oh, an infamous God. story on my blog. And I think it was at that moment where I realized that 
a check I was waiting for for a freelancer was the exact amount that I was going to have to use to get my car out of car jail or the impound. And it was really that moment where I literally had a mini breakdown, was crying and like just this hard realization of what I had done. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it really wasn't even like that moment that I actually started getting my crap together. It was a couple months later because I, I had taken a couple vacations that I had already mm-hmm. booked. Yeah. So right after that low moment, I went to New York City um, on a fairly frugal weekend, mm-hmm. and then I went to Hawaii on a like all inclusive thing that I had already paid for several mm-hmm. months beforehand. So, you know, I had to go. Of course. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like my blog was started in May 2012. And I think that's where I started making really, really hard cuts to spending and, and changing my lifestyle drastically. And so you kind of started the blog as a way to keep yourself more accountable. Yeah, well, I had always kind of blogged. I mean, I was oh, yeah. blogging before blogging it was called blogging. It was like oh my gosh. And I had this, I had this, um, I don't know how many people know about this one, but I don't know uh, about it. I, I'm surprised I don't know about it. This e-zine as they were called back then out of Seattle. Oh, I remember zines. Yeah. Deep fried bug vision. And it was mostly <laughs> focused on music and pop culture and the Seattle scene and whatnot. And, uh, so I had, started my writing as a hobby and an outlet for creativity back then. And then I've sort of blogged, you know, they had like live journal and MySpace and I, all those iterations mm-hmm. I think I had gone through. And I, I somewhere, someday I'm gonna have to go back and dig through all of my old blogs. Yes, so I please. can have a memory <laughs> of things that I did. I don't, so many, my words are out there and I don't even know. I know it's like, are. it's on Google somewhere. I'm it's, probably going to search right after this. <laughs> I, exactly. So someday I'm going to aggregate all that and get it together. But so um, I had another, I was toying with the idea of becoming a life coach at one point. Mm-hmm. And so I had started a blog uh, associated with that called Life Accomplished. Life, comma, accomplished. I don't have it anymore, so don't go looking for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but so I was writing. And then when I started to like be in a poor position financially, A, I knew that I wasn't ready to become a life coach and it really wasn't my calling. And B, I realized that when I started talking about money, it made me really uncomfortable. And I had touched on it a little bit with Life Accomplished, Mm -hmm. but I started to feel like really exposed and vulnerable. So I started Budget in the Beach and I literally came up the name with like in two seconds. I don't know. It's a great name. I love it. It just came out, right? So (laughs) I started that anonymously. Um, Mm -hmm. and like literally over the course, it's, I just turned three or my blog just turned three, you know, slowly started coming out of the blog closet, so to speak, uh, (laughs) with everybody, uh, slowly. And Mm -hmm. I'm really glad I did. If anyone's considering not doing it out there, I think I tell every blogger that's anonymous, it's like, don't stop it. I mean, I do tend to sometimes really love reading the blogs that are anonymous because they will talk about all the crap that when you're a public blogger, you cannot talk about like job True. relationships, you know, all those really juicy things. But in general, I really like when the bloggers become public. So we have a like, oh, look, you have a real face and you're a real person, you know? Yeah, exactly. They put a name to a face. You're like, that's what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and it's, I think a, a, it's only a benefit. Um, I mean, yes, you may not be able to like say everything that's mm-hmm. going on the yeah. consequences, but I think the benefits outweigh the, the cons, mm-hmm. um, to be, to be out there. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the journey of, of budget in the beach. That's awesome. So, um, what, uh, did this happen when you were living uh, still in LA when the, the switch happened? I, I guess. Cause yes, yeah. yes. Uh, I've, I've been in LA f- 
for nearly, I think it's like 13 years. So yeah, oh, wow. it's been a long time. And so how long have you been freelancing for? Since uh, 2008. So is that, it'll be eight years, I think, in wow. September. I, I'm curious, what does your kind of freelance career look like now compared to when you first started? What kind of things did you learn? Just, I'm so fascinated by the people that choose to go the self-employed route. My husband's self-employed and it's, you know, he has one kind of point of view on things. I think a lot of it has to do with him working in the music industry, but you freelance, but you do specifically like video stuff. And also you have your blog, which is your own business. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it didn't start off that way. And if, if you want to talk about all the things I've learned, I mean, I, this would be, this podcast would be like four <laughs> hours long. Um, but some of the main things I would say are, um, and, and this was really kind of no fault of my own. Um, one thing I always tip, I always give freelancers or people who want to become a freelancer is to practice, get all your clients, mm-hmm. do your side work while you're still full time. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a huge benefit because things just take a really, really long time to get rolling, um, in that area. And you're going to be waiting a long time, which brings me to point two, which is, what I learned the hard way is I was thinking, you know, I've been a video editor for, for years. Mm -hmm. Certainly people will come to me, you know, I'll just Mm -hmm. throw my online portfolio out there. People will just find you online and, you know, sure. That's how it happens. No, you actually have to go for work. And, and I've only just recently discovered this, I would say in the last year, which Mm -hmm. is you are only good as as good or noticed as your last project. So Mm -hmm. I've been producing and producing and, my own stuff, even if I don't get paid, even if nobody, you know, I, I'm doing finding all the resource on my own because you have to constantly actively be doing, you know, to prove yourself. Um, you know, it's like you're a producer. Well, show me what you've produced lately. You know, it can't mm-hmm. be from, you know, 2008 or 2009. What What is this like current thing that you've produced? So you constantly need to be like in motion and moving and seeking out and making contacts and, you know, that was something I'd wait, you know, waited way too long to do was to like be a go-getter. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly there's like a million financial tips as well that, um, you know, not living within a restricted budget. And I don't mean to say restricted, meaning like you can't enjoy life. I mean, like mm-hmm. realistic is more like the word I want to say, um, you know, being very sensible about your budget. Um, it's tricky as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So do you find... Um compared to when you were working full-time for a company to now that you're a freelancer? Has your, um, the way you spend money, your lifestyle, your budget, has that changed like pretty dramatically? And does it, is it because now when you make money, it's, it's on you, but before you always knew when your paycheck was coming? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't even count the ways that it has changed drastically. I mean, yes, you are, you know, if you have a good, you know, like a good project or job or whatever, and you're going to have different clients, some are going to pay right away. Some are going to wait forever. Some you have to go after them to like finally pay you. Um, but then you get, you might get like this nice fat paycheck to realize that like mm-hmm. 25, 
uh, is going to taxes. And yes. So to start, you, ha- you really have to be active in uh, cutting percentages out for your basic life things, um, health insurance that you didn't mm-hmm. have to worry about before or uh, retirement savings if that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, emergency savings is a huge one for not just everybody, but even more so as a freelancer. Because, I'd say more so for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean that whole like one to two months or even like six months, I would say a year is, mm-hmm. is really ideal as a freelancer because you, you may, and probably will hit dry patches. I mean, it's work normal, seems to yeah. ebb and flow based on kind of seasons and the industry that you're in, you might be in and, um, and whatnot. So, you know, it's just, you can't, it's a very, very big roller coaster, uh, which is if the more cushion you have, the less of that roller coaster you feel because it sort of makes the hills of the roller coaster smaller mm-hmm. because you know that like, okay, I'm cool. I'm cool. I, you know, I got that covered. Um, but for me, I've gone through a big, pretty big dry spell since July. And so it's really tough to, um, to manage sometimes. So it's mm-hmm. definitely not for the faint of heart. Yeah. I always kind of find the people that, are thinking about going the freelance route may not n- always necessarily know what it could happen, the consequences or, or um, what it just entails. Because personally, I just know I do not have the personality to freelance. Whereas my husband, he loves doing it. It's, it suits his personality. He loves the unexpected. Um, but so, so it seemed like you actually really liked working for a company full time, but then you've been freelancing for eight years. So I always wonder, like, would you ever go back to working full time for a company or did you kind of realize while you were freelancing and building your own business, no, this suits me way better. This makes way more sense for the life that I want. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's not, I'm not against full time. I think what has happened along the way and for, you know, on and off throughout my uh, being a freelancer, I have definitely toyed and have applied for full time jobs and Mm -hmm. interviewed for full time jobs. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because back at, like I was talking about before, I would get jobs really easily without a problem. I was finding that I wasn't getting um, jobs that I was interviewing for. And I just thought like, what is going on? And I realized, well, there's, there's two things. One is I, in my particular industry, things have changed a lot. You get, there's, Mm. whereas there used to be uh, multiple people for on a project, let's say a video editor, you'd have a motion graphics person, mm-hmm. you'd have maybe a colorist, um, mm-hmm. different breakouts of people. As the recession hit, they tightened that up where they've made it as like one person jobs. Oh my God. And I realized that I'm not, I was, was and never cut out for being a necessarily a one man show on the post production side of things. Mm-hmm. And so I, eventually lost interest in that particular part of my industry. So I think I was energetically not getting jobs for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I was, what had happened is that I started discovering as I started blogging, um, I was feeling a little directionless. Like I said, I had thought about becoming a life coach. I just mm-hmm. was in this mode where I couldn't quite figure out where where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. I felt like I was forcing myself almost to look for a full-time job as a just video mm-hmm. editor. So as I was doing my blog, I discovered like it is the blogging thing is my passion and mm-hmm. I just feel so strongly about it. And it's not that I hated video. I still like video. I just realized there was like 
a new formation of the type of work I wanted to be doing that mm-hmm. included video. And what I discovered through self-help books. And mm-hmm. I love self. I love me a good self-help. Yeah. And podcasts like we talked about yeah. uh, is that I love, love, love storytelling. Mm-hmm. I want to write stories about people. I want to share their stories. I want to tell my story. And mm-hmm. so that includes writing for the blog that includes producing videos. And someday I think it might include speaking and or writing a book. Yeah. And so it's like the medium of my job has changed and I don't think I'm going to find that in a full-time job. And that's fair because yeah, just looking at, and I tell people all this time, I went to film school, did a degree, thought I was going to graduate and become a filmmaker because I had a crazy fantasy of what life would be like outside of school. But okay, I've been out of school for five or six years now, and I can say the industry has dramatically changed the film industry. I'm pretty sure lots of the jobs that we were told, oh, you could be that, like you mentioned, like, you know, there'd be an editor and a motion graphic person and a colorist. Yeah, we were told those were jobs, but now that is like one person. And it's kind of crazy. I'm kind of glad I didn't really pursue that route because I don't feel like that would have really fit with what I wanted to do. And it's true. What... You also said at the end of the day, your core is a storyteller. Um, the medium has changed, but your desire to tell your story hasn't. So you've kind of just made your own way, which is awesome, I think. Yeah, basically. And I'm happy that you didn't pursue oh, I know. <laughs> I, I would have been a ter- like, not that I was a terrible filmmaker, but I just don't think, I think it just would not have suited my personality. I, I love structure and filmmaking has nothing of that. Well, like it's, no, it wouldn't work. <laughs> here's the great thing. I mean, when I started off, again, in the dark ages, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't be an independent filmmaker or video editor or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, you had to go to a place in a building that had big machine rooms and tape to tape mm-hmm. and expensive equipment and all of this stuff. Anybody with a decent camera that's, fairly inexpensive or you can even use your phone Mm -hmm. um, and some inexpensive editing software and YouTube. I mean, it's just ridiculous what you can do on your own. So Mm -hmm. I think that's great. You went to film school and you went through that and you could take those skills and not only apply them as soft skills to your life, but you you could still do that in your own way when you're ready. Yeah. The resources are totally there and inexpensive and, and that's, that is the the down the, that is the downside in the beauty of my industry. The downside mm-hmm. is now yes, everyone can feels like they're an editor and they can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, now you got Fiverr and all these these uh, mm-hmm. sites which Ugh. are good on one hand, yeah. but they're also they they uh, devalue our exactly. Industry. I just can't. But, yeah, um, whenever I see like an ad for Fiverr, it's like oh, want a logo for five dollars? I'm like, there are graphic designers crying right now. Like legit that have been in the industry for 20 years are like, why, why? <laughs> well, that the thing is though, is, and that's a good wake up call. And that was a big wake up call for me too, is that you, you, you can't be stagnant in your mm-hmm. own industry. You have to constantly be on your toes. Like I remember for the longest time I was like, Oh, Instagram, I'm not going to do Instagram. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on Instagram. Don't tell me what to do with social yeah. media. I have Facebook and Twitter. And I'm like, then, you know, I realized what I, marketing opportunities I was missing. I'm like, I better get on the Instagram. No, <laughs> I'm, the, like- I'm the same way. I only got Instagram like a year ago and I was kind of against it. I'm like, no, I've got enough social platforms. <laughs> right. I don't need another one. And then I'm like, well, oh, okay, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> and You're I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> You're only hurting yourself when you don't keep up. And so exactly. you have to like, 
no matter what age you are, you're going to constantly have to be on your toes and looking at industry trends and, and, you know, and, and not if you, if like you're vehemently against something for whatever reason, that's a big sign that you're not doing what you want to be doing. But if you're like, eh, I just don't want to do it because whatever, then, you know, get on, get on the ball. You have to like, you have to be involved in, um, and learn about those things. It's just because it's, you know, it's part of our culture. You have to be mm-hmm. constantly evolving with it. Yeah, I totally agree. So Tanya, what, um, if someone were to listen to this and, and maybe they're considering uh, going the self-employment route, what kind of kind of simple tips would you give them based on your experience? Right. Well, the one thing I already kind of mentioned was basically, I think you should be a practice freelancer. So while you mm-hmm. have that cushy full-time job, um, start, start practicing doing what it's like to be a freelancer. Are you a blogger and you want to be, uh, you know, or, or do you want to be a writer? Start writing for other people, go out and start hustling for clients. Um, get that going because you just don't want to like, you know, jump in, you know, yeah, you don't want to quit your job and then try it and, <laughs> you know, be like, Oh yeah, crap. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, then you're going to be like having months where it's dry, mm-hmm. uh, which is the second point. Second tip, um, is, save as much money as you can. I mean, I would have a year's worth of uh, emergency savings before you even start becoming a freelancer. I would recommend having your debt paid off, but I know that's not going to be realistic for everybody's situation. So I would say if you're going to have debt, make sure it's very manageable. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not like putting half of your current money into your debt repayment. You know, if you're, uh, if you're doing okay and you're managing it, then maybe that's okay. But you definitely, definitely want to have a big, big cushion financially. Mm -hmm. Um, and the third tip I would say is try to live off maybe half of the income you're currently making. Mm -hmm. And there's two reasons for that. One reason is because that that could be very realistic of what you might be facing as a freelancer, uh, Mm -hmm. taking a big pay cut, especially maybe in the first year or a couple of years. Um, so you better get used to living, uh, with reduced expenses and, and then that way there's, it's really like no harm, no foul, because if you hate it, you know, there's your answer that you may not be quite ready for it. The second thing that's good about that is that living off half of your income is also going to make your savings rate go higher in a quicker amount of time. So you're Mm going to be doing two things, figuring out what it's like to live off half your income and saving that other half of your income for that emergency fund. Uh, I really, really cannot emphasize that enough. I've had people not take my advice before and are struggling currently. Um, So you recommend doing that while they're full-time employees, also just to kind of get that habit. Because as you kind of mentioned in your experience, it was really hard to kind of crack that habit right out the gate. So it's easier to probably do that while you are still a full-time employee. Oh, yeah. I mean, because you you know you have a fallback option. If Mm -hmm. it's like totally miserable and you're realizing like, look, you know what? I tried being a freelance writer and I I don't really like writing for other people. Mm -hmm. Well, you're safe. You're okay. You know, then you might want to try something else. But you're, you know, it's just better to have that safety net. Um, and, and you can, I think it's, I think it's great. People are taking a leap. I think it's great. People are taking a risk and a mm-hmm. chance. And I think everyone should do that in their own way, but you need to take calculated risks. I think mm-hmm. it's just really important for your sanity. Yeah. You've got to be smart about it and don't have unrealistic expectations. Cause I, like you mentioned, I think some people will be like, oh, I'm going to freelance, going to work for myself. It's going to be awesome. But they don't realize like, well, you will most likely be making way less and you're kind of at the start and it's it's not easy. You got to 
have some tough skin and not everyone has it. I know I don't. I I just don't. (laughs) I think people see, you know, they look at other bloggers and they see their income reports and Mm -hmm. some people are killing it and other people are struggling. But the thing is like, you're, it's like an iceberg. You see just the tip of the iceberg above the surface. You don't see the thousands of feet of ice that's below the surface. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot there that is not revealed um, to everybody so openly. And so just be cautious of those things you see online, whether that's either from the failure perspective or from the success perspective, meaning that like somebody, some people might be over-exaggerating their failure. Other people might be over-exaggerating their successes. Mm -hmm. So find that nice, realistic middle ground and just make sure you uh, set the bar accordingly. Absolutely. Take everything you read online with a grain of salt, especially when it comes to personal finance stuff, because absolutely, yeah, you'll go a little bonkers, I think, if you don't. Um, one last thing I want to just uh, talk about before I let you go is I think it's so cool. You mentioned you're a storyteller and you are, you're, you have a great way with words, but you're also kind of going doing this new project, which is a video project. And uh, I think it's an awesome kind of compliment to this podcast because it's all about talking to real people about their real money stories. Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I was doing, so for a while I was doing skits and actually I'm still doing that, but uh, really what I wanted to do, because I've always loved documentaries. um, I have kind of a huge crush on like Morgan Spurlock's work (laughs) and Lisa Ling. Um, they're kind of what I aspire to be someday. Mm-hmm. Um, but they both of them focus on sort of like real slice of life people and stories. And I just wanted to tell other people's stories, um, not necessarily so specifically about money, right? Because you can get all that information online mm-hmm. um, in a quick Google search. I wanted to see really what people were experiencing around around money, both in their successes and failures mm-hmm. and just have people relate to that and maybe have a little bit of empathy. Also maybe get inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, I might trying to find people who are successful entrepreneurs and show you visually, um, how they are doing it day to day. Um, and so I think, you know, I was just really, really excited about it. I got a new camera, um, a couple months ago because mm-hmm. I wanted to be a one woman show. I wanted to be able to like get out there and produce these on my own mm-hmm. and not have to worry about hiring a crew, um, eventually. And if you are a financial institution who would like to sponsor me, uh, feel free to email <laughs> shout me. Out. To <laughs> shout out, right? A little plug. Um, cause I love that. Um, so I hopefully can make that happen because I am so passionate about it. You have no idea. I'm just so excited about this new venture. And so, um, yeah, it's called Real Money Stories and hopefully we'll feature a new person each month. Absolutely. And I'll uh, make sure to include your first video, which I loved um, on uh, my blog post to, you. you know, spread the word. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, so nice to talk to you. It's been a while. It's been, you oh, know. Yeah. Right. Since my, uh, my trip to California, fish tacos. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, hopefully we can do this again soon. I'd love to talk to you more about the progression of your uh, video project. I think that'll be really cool. Thank you. And uh, I'd be happy to, uh, promote your podcast as well. Very happy that you're doing it. And I hope you're going to FinCon this year. Uh, not this year, not oh, this no. year. Yeah, no, I went last year and I think I, I need a, a break and, and maybe, maybe next, next year or whatever. I think we keep missing each other by like, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. 
Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my podcast. And if any of you listeners want to check out Tanya's great blog, it is budgetinthebeach.com. And you can also find her on Twitter at Beach Budget. And of course, for this episode's show notes, more info on Tanya's video series and my latest blog posts, please check out momoneymohouses.com or reach me at uh, momoneymohouses on Twitter. And you can always email me as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next Wednesday. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.